You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Necessary Roughness with former NFL lineman TJ Lang and John Jansen. All right, we're ready for another edition of Necessary Roughness. He's TJ Lang. I'm John Jansen. And when you listen to it, if you like what you hear, subscribe. If you don't like what you hear, subscribe because we need the subscriptions. And um, we're going to come to you every single week throughout the football season. And we're going to come to you every single week after that as well. And we're going to get into more uh, uh, Red Wings hockey, Detroit Pistons basketball, baseball for the Tigers throughout the course of the year. But obviously right now we're talking about the Detroit Lions. And uh, uh, my buddy here, TJ Lang, was on the sidelines in Chicago. What was what was the environment like? And, and I really want to know what it was like down inside the red zone, uh, especially early on when yeah. the, the bad snap happened between uh, Frank Ragnow and Jared Goff. I, I asked Dan Campbell this earlier, um, and I asked him if they were in silent count, and he said that they weren't. So many things could have gone differently in that situation. What did you see from the sideline? Yeah, I don't know why, um, and I'm sure they're – asking themselves the same question yeah. why they chose to go to the uh regular cadence because you know as as you remember as we all remember that was right after uh you know the inter, the interception review mm-hmm. um which that was a close call and looking at it on the big screen uh you know they called it incomplete on the field there wasn't anything that showed really anything different or anything i guess uh you know Unanimous, no, you know, yeah, you couldn't yeah. change the call. So if, if if they called interception on the field, it probably would have stand. That was just kind of mm-hmm. how the review worked out. But uh, so after that, you know, the crowd was obviously pretty pissed raucous off. and pissed yeah. off and uh, a lot of boos and, you know, the defense. Every time the Bears got in the red zone, uh, you know, their defense backed up. Uh, you know, it, it, it was loud. It was really loud. And when the Lions got down in the red zone, I mean, it was loud. I kept having to take my head, headset off just to kind of get a – pulse of the stadium yeah and it was loud and that's something that yeah i mean you don't expect to see that from two veteran players with Ragnow and goff but uh i've been in that situation before i mean you're at the line of scrimmage it's loud uh you're trying to listen for any sort of audible or you're trying to listen for um you know just anything from the quarterback and it it happens like it happens sometimes i mean i know the quarterback's job is to you know, kind of hey, easy, easy. But there's sometimes right. you hear that e, and it's like, okay, yeah. you get a little jumpy. And well, it's obviously- anticipation because I've been in that situation too. Um, it, it was was when Steve Spurrier was the head coach, and his whole deal was, hey, we're gonna we're gonna pass protect with five guys, right? And which is that, tough, yeah, it, yeah. And so yeah. you're already on edge, right? And you're ready to to deep set from from the the tackle position, yeah. and you got Cleo Mack and and Robert Quinn, two of the quickest guys off the ball. I mean, and that next sound is. 
the ball's yeah. going to be snapped oh, yeah. because yeah. If, if you're on Cadence, ball snapped, and you've got to anticipate when that's going to happen. Yeah. And the next sound, it it could be easy, easy. And and you know the check for it, us was it was either red or blue. Yeah. And the the quarterback would come up and say red. Yeah. And <laughs> there was one game I jumped off sides. I got booed at home from my own fans in Washington because I jumped off sides. It was we were playing New England, um, and I had Willie McGinnis. Uh, that I was blocking, and it was uh, f- four times in the first quarter. Yeah, I jumped off sides. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I, I've had three in a game before. Oh yeah, and it's uh, it's, it's rough. always a great, it's rough, a great yeah. feeling, especially at home too. When it's you don't need silent count. <laughs> I mean, it's just you know the anticipation of oh damn, I just want to get off the ball. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, and and you know what? That was really that was such a killer because that was the series after uh, the Lions went for it on fourth and goal, mm-hmm. and the defense did its job. Uh, you know, backed up Chicago's offense. They forced the three and out and punt. Uh, Detroit got the ball back, marched right back down. You're thinking, okay, this is the time point of the game where uh, you need to get something rolling on offense, and you have that mistake. And it's just, uh, you know, this is just a team that can't afford to do that. I mean, you've kind of seen it through each game so far where there's just, you know, with the exception of the Baltimore game, I don't think they turned the ball over. I don't know. I might have to check. But pick six against San Fran, boom, yeah. game's out of hand. Um, you know, the the fumble uh, against Green Bay, you know, mm-hmm. uh, game's out of hand. You know, same thing, obviously, against Chicago. You, you, you miss on a fourth and goal conversion. You fumble the ball. Uh, the next series is a – you know, punt, and then the series after that, I think, is a strip sack, yeah. another fumble, all in the red zone. So, um, when you're a team like this, you don't have a lot of explosive players uh, on your on your team. I mean, you kind of got to grind and and just you know work your ass off for every yard that you get. You can't make those type of mistakes, and that's ultimately what cost them the game. It was the first time that I thought through the four games that I thought uh, that that was going to be a winnable game, and I thought they just ultimately, you know, kind of laid an egg, even though they did have a chance late in the game to get back into it. That was probably the worst performance I've seen from them so So far. So I do want to ask you about that chance late in the game because that's been a a bone of contention amongst Lions fans, and that was the fourth and one and the decision to basically hurry up, uh, throw a pass, uh, instead of taking the field goal. But there was three trips in the red zone in the first half and no points. And one of them was the second trip, fourth and five. Uh, fourth and goal from the five, and they decided to go for it. I'm not – I'm somewhat in between if it's fourth and one or fourth and goal from the one. As an offensive lineman, our reaction is always, coach, just run it behind us and we're going to get you that touchdown. Now, you don't always get it, but that's the response. Fourth and goal from the five. Your thoughts on them going for it at that point in the game? Instead of coming away with three. Now, yeah. there's no guarantee it's going to be three, right? but I, odds are you're going to make that field goal. I think the way that that game was kind of playing out, uh, I didn't mind the call. Um, just because Chicago had scored on their first two drives. and um, Actually, I was wrong about earlier. The, the fumble from Ragnow and Goff was actually the first, first drive, drive of the game. Yeah. The sack fumble came after the third uh, the, drive. The three and yeah. out, the three and out. Yeah, yeah. the third drive. But, um, yeah, I didn't mind it, only because – you're just coming off of a fumble. Um, you're down 14 nothing early in the game. It really looked like the defense wasn't going to do anything to slow down Chicago and Justin Fields. Yeah. And at that point of the drive and of the game, it kind of seemed like 
you're not going to win this game kicking field goals. Now they did settle down a little bit defensively, which uh, maybe maybe was a surprise to everybody because the first two drives just looked so easy for Chicago, for Chicago yeah. that uh, I could see I could see you know I could I could definitely defend uh, the call to try to get a touchdown there. And mm-hmm. like Coach said, I mean you don't get a touchdown at least you back them up and uh, you know defense did end up doing its job, um, but. You know, at that point of the game, I, it just seemed like field goals were not going to get you any close, anywhere close to, to giving yourself a chance to win. Now, I was originally listening to you guys on the radio, um, and I listened to the very end of the game. It's, you know, I, I don't remember the exact situation, but you're down 10 points. It's fourth and one. There's a pass completion that some would say maybe they should have reviewed to see if they got a first down, the on Lions. The third and, on, on the, uh, yeah, on the third yeah. and ten. Which third and ten, yeah. they end up getting nine. Right. I don't know that it gets overturned as well. Yeah, it, was you know, it was close. It was close, but close. you know, you, you don't want necessarily want to blow a timeout, but right. at that point, so we're not going to debate whether they should have reviewed it or not, but it, the referee said, hey, it's fourth and one. You're down ten. There's just shy of five minutes left in the game. You right. got two choices. You, you go for it. You try and convert the you know and and get a first down. Gives yourself another chance to get a touchdown or kick the field goal. If you're the head coach, do you kick the field goal at that point or do you go for it? I would have kicked the field goal, and yeah. I think that was my first uh, initial reaction. Even as they were lining up to go for it on fourth and one before the incompletion, yeah. I'm sitting there in my head going, "You need points. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. need points." And because you, if you don't get it. If you don't get it, the game's over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just field goal gives you a chance. You just got you, you got no chance. Yeah. You, you're not going to score ten points by the time you get the ball back. Maybe around two minutes left. I mean, uh, and you had been atrocious in the red zone all day. Uh, that was a point of the game where I really felt like you needed the three points and you need to give your defense a chance to get a stop. And uh, who knows? Maybe they could have never gotten that close again. Uh, maybe they would have needed a you know a long touchdown maybe late in the game, but. Um, obviously it's, you know, that's very hypothetical at this point, but yeah, I thought, and, but I kind of changed a little bit. I didn't change my mind, you know, watching the game when I got home Sunday night, but there also comes a time as players where you need to execute yep. and that play was there. And I, I mean, I'm standing right there at the 10 yard line. You watch the route develop and you're like, Oh, he's got it. Okay. Yep. Thank God. Oh, ball right off the fingertips, game over, you know. And, yes, you could debate the decision all day long. You, 100%, you needed points there. But when your coach is as aggressive as Dan Campbell's been through four games, as a player, you, you first of all, I think you respect the trust that he gives you to go get a yard. A uh, touchdown there obviously would have been huge, but um, – you got to execute, and I think that, you know, and I know Jared Goff took the blame after the game. He said, you know, I need to put it out in a little bit better, and, uh, you know, I think. You're if, also if, expecting if you're, the receiver to run out of his cut you're, at, at 100%. A rookie receiver uh, that hasn't gotten a whole lot of action. Now, I know Amon Ra did have a couple of really nice catches that game, but um, I thought what Dan Campbell said, honestly, about we shouldn't have rushed it, that makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest play of the game. You decide you're going for it. You either need to A, huddle, or B, burn a timeout. There's yeah. still four and a half minutes left. You need to get that conversion. You have to have that. If you're going for it, you have to have it. You cannot just rush up to the line, hand signals, quick snap, boom. 
because now the tempo's out of whack. The tempo's thrown off, and it was something that we saw very similarly against Green Bay when they went for it on the fourth down, and I think he threw that one to Cephas, but it was a tempo issue on that too. They broke the huddle late. They get up to the line. It's rushed, 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 and incompletion, you know, and, and now you're – uh, putting yourself in, in way too big of a hole. So I thought that would have made more sense to huddle up, get the guys on the same page, maybe give yourself a chance to not, okay, Anthony Lynn, maybe give him 10, 15 seconds to really decide what he wants to do instead of just boom, boom, this is what we're doing, yeah. go, go, go. That really kind of threw the tempo off, and there was really no need to do that. Well, and fourth and one, too, in 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 any situation, Jared Goff probably knows I've got – I've got two or three, maybe four plays I can draw from, and I'm going to call it right away. You know, a menu, uh, so to speak, of, of being able to go up there and say, if it's fourth and one in this situation, I'm going to go to this play. And he's here in Anthony Lynn. He's, you know, calling the play. But you're right. In that situation, if you've got a veteran team, if you've got veteran receivers, then you can hustle up and go because you guys, you got no, you, you have guys that know exactly. Right. What yeah. the situation You've taken is, taken that rep probably have. a thousand times, right? You know, and you don't even have to think about it. But to your point and Dan's point, in that situation with a young, inexperienced wide receiving group and even a, a young offensive line, yeah. Um, because at that point, you know, no, Frank Ragnow was yeah. out. Uh, you got Matt Nelson at one tackle. You got Penny Sewell, who's a rookie, at the other tackle. Um, and we'll talk about him in just a minute, but. You've got to at least give them a breather and focus on here's what we have to do. It's fourth and one because yeah. fourth and one can mean fourth and a long one, right? A short one, and those receivers got to know exactly what they need for that first down. Yeah. He would have had it, but I don't think he ran out of his break with the urgency that Jared Goff thought he was going to run yeah. out of that break. And with. that's what I agree with too. I you look at the play, and I know Jared, you know, took the blame, but. Uh, you're trusting a rookie in the biggest play of the game, a guy that hasn't had a whole lot of really time to build that chemistry mm-hmm. in those gotta-have-it situations. Um, but you're right, kind of came off the line a little bit, wiggled, and as soon as he turned his head, it looked like he slowed down just a tad. And then he tried. Then he saw the ball and he tried to speed up. By that point, you know, you're just maybe, what, six inches behind it, able to get your fingertips on it. I mean, that that's the difference in – you know, bursting out of your route and kind of I don't I don't want to say he half-assed it, but it almost seemed like he wasn't ready for the ball. Yeah, and there was also didn't have a the guy sense wide of open in the middle of the field too. Right. I mean, I think I think Goff did kind of rush that where he was going to go. Hundred percent, he predetermined it. And if you look at that, I mean, the play develops a little bit, and there's nobody around Quintus Cephas <laughs> Cephas in the middle of the field. But yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was a game honestly that flat out they just didn't play well and they didn't deserve to win. And I think that's probably the bottom line when you when you look at the game. And so having been 0 and 4 now and that that game which was a winnable game but to your point and I agree they didn't deserve to win. There are two teams right now in 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 football that are 0 and 4. There's only one team that's undefeated and that's Arizona Cardinals, but it's the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions. And when you look at Detroit's schedule where do you see the next possibility for a win? Well, I, I think everybody's kind of looking at Cincinnati, but, you know, they're no joke either. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know every, we we all got to see them, um, you know, on, on Thursday Night Football yeah. last week. And, Joe uh, Burrow looks good. Yeah, Joe Burrow looks really good, man. His accuracy and obviously uh, the weakest part of your team right now is probably your defensive backfield. I mean, they just can't seem to 
get on the same page. I mean, there's guys running wide open every single game, mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's probably what scares you the most. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Minnesota this week is obviously going to be tough. I mean, they're coming off of a they seven, scored seven point, points, you know, yeah. offensive performance, which is a dud for them because they were averaging over 30 a game the first three games. Obviously, you play a tough Cleveland defense, but uh, they're an explosive offense. I mean, I, that game kind of scares me a little bit just – I think Dalvin Cook had 30-some yards rushing last week. You know they're going to mm-hmm. run the ball with him probably 20-plus times, and uh, your rush defense certainly wasn't good against uh, against Chicago. But I think they'll have a chance against Cincinnati. I really do, just being a home game. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest part right now is the injuries, man. It's just so tough when you lose so many veteran guys and guys that you were relying on we don't know how long Ragnar is going to be out. We don't know when Decker's going to be available again. Obviously, Romeo is uh, gut punch. Yeah. Uh, Trey Flowers has missed the last couple games. I mean, those are four of your and your two top corners. Leaders, your are two out. top corners. Yeah, obviously with Okuda and Melifanu. I mean, it's just you got to find. A, and the the problem is they don't have a lot of depth at really O line or defensive backfield. So that could be an issue going forward. But. Um, you know, I I think what is the spread this weekend? Seven and a half. I yeah, mean, they, yeah. they've they've shown that you know they're at least capable of fighting. I just don't think with the talent that they have right now, with the injuries, the guys that they're going to be missing, that they I don't think they have enough firepower to match up with Minnesota. But I think that Cincinnati game um, could be one. Could be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought and, it was going to be Chicago. I was wrong. I, I still feel like that's a game that that one probably hurts the most because that was probably the first game going into it, you know, during the week of preparation that they probably really felt good about their chances of winning. They probably didn't feel that way against Baltimore leading up to it. Obviously, the game kind of shifted, and you're like, oh, we got a chance to beat one of the best teams. Uh, But leading up to that Chicago game, I think, was the first time a lot of people really felt like this is a winnable game. And to not get that done, uh, especially with the way you played against Baltimore, I think that you know that's ultimately a pretty big sting. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to to start the season with all three division opponents the first time you see them on the road. Uh, yeah, you know, Green Bay was on the road obviously Monday night. That was uh, last week's game was in Chicago. This week's game is going to be in Minnesota. So you do have all three of them coming to uh, Ford Field at some point this season. Um, and I do want to touch on uh, Penny Sewell real quick. I thought that this was. A, a a learning game for him in that the third time into the red zone, right, he gets the sack fumble. And later in the game, as we've, we've talked about with Matt Nelson early in the year, you start to overcompensate and you don't want to give up the edge, so you overset and then you, you give up pressure on the inside. If you were, uh, you know, the O-line coach for the Detroit Lions and you were sitting there talking to Penny Sewell, what, I, what advice would you give him after that game, because you and I have both been in that situation oh, yeah. as young players, whether it was your rookie year or just your first year starting, and you have a game like that. Yeah, I mean, you just got to get back to work. Ultimately, John, I think being offensive lineman, uh, you're ultimately judged and graded off of your bad plays. Mm-hmm. And if you have two of them, uh, three of them, you know that heavily outweighs the good things that you did. I mean, there's not a lot of wiggle room. They're not talking about you. It's good. I mean, you could play 69 plays and that 70th one get beat for a strip sack, and that's all people talk about. That's Mm -hmm. all they remember. But I think with Panay is, um, you know, ultimately I think in the long run he's going to benefit from a game like that. 
because you come in week one, switch to left tackle on Wednesday or Thursday. A lot of people, you know, are anxious to see what you're going to look like, and you really come out and have a really fine game against one of the best uh, defensive ends in, in all of football. Um, and that's where the bar's set now, right? That's what the expectations are. You showed you could do it. The challenge is to do it every week and be consistent. And it's kind of come to a point now where, uh, you know, although you're still, I think you still have 20 year old kid for at least another week. Yes. Um, you're not a rookie anymore. You've got four games under your belt. You know, people don't, uh, all that rookie stuff and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's worn off now. Guys expect you to go out there and be a dominant player that you showed in week one and, and flashes in every single game so far. But when you have a game like that, I think it's uh, it's easy to get down on yourself. You can't, you got to remember the good things that you did. You got to remind yourself, okay, I shut down Nick Bosa. Okay, I shut down uh, Green Bay's, you know, pass rushers. I shut down, for the most part, a lot of Baltimore's guys, even though they were missing a lot of guys up front. Mm-hmm. But um, you got to remind yourself of the goods. And, and you got to really, I think my coach used to tell us, you know, Coach James Campen in Green Bay, you'd have a bad game. And it's like, all right, just control your attitude and your effort. You know, if you keep sulking and, and let this – game let those plays kind of linger into the week uh it, it's going to be hard to get over yeah. and i think the best thing for a young player like that is you know you just you can't wait till sunday you, you, you just get so in. you just got to get back out there the next sunday and just forget about it and i think panay sewell is a guy who uh everything it sounds like handles his business the right way um, you know, he's not a guy. We've both been around rookies that get beat and oh, yeah. pout and, you know, kind of go down to the dumps. He's not that type of guy. So, uh, but it, the one sack was the one sack. I mean, I'm watching it last night and it's just so hard because, you know, as offensive linemen, you're taught that defenders have a gap, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm a left tackle and I see a defensive tackle lined up on my inside shoulder and I'm not really expecting an inside rush, you know, right. unless it's a game. So on that play, uh, Sewell takes a set, the three technique spikes inside, and they actually bring uh, the linebacker into the B-gap. Mm-hmm. And his guy, Gibson, I think it was, still swam inside of the B-gap. So that's one of those things that you're thinking, okay, there's no way he's going inside. I see the pressure coming. Oh, went inside yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. and you kind of get you caught you kind of get caught gap very often. yeah you kind of get caught sometimes and defenders you're all obviously told if you do that you better make it work because now you're letting up the outside you're letting up the contain and uh for gibson's part i mean he, he beat him pretty clean on the inside but those are all those are all learning lessons for him and i think he's going to respond the right way and I think we can both agree, especially as a rookie, it's harder to play center than it is guard because you're on that island, and, and those guards got those sideboards. I mean, the center's just, got sideboards. <laughs> I used to get a guard has sideboards to begin with. Yeah, but if the center's sliding the other way, man, your help is gone for I one mean, play. Playing in Green Bay, being a right guard was probably the most stressful. Yeah, because everybody slides to the Everything left. Everything was two jet, two yeah. jet, fox two, uh, fox two, which the, sends the center to the left. Yeah. I mean, we'd get a fox three like twice a game, and I just like post the center and just go blast the DN because I know the right tackle's been bitching about getting no help too. (laughs) (laughs) It's stressful, man. But Uh And obviously the last thing with Sewell was, uh, you know, the false start. And I know a lot of people have kind of been, that's two in the last two games and against Baltimore came on a fourth and one. So it was like, it was, and watching it live, you could tell that Evan Brown was in the game at the, at at the time. And uh, you could just tell it was a little bit late on the snap because there were probably three or four guys moving, expecting the ball. 
and it was just a little bit late. And they Obviously, called they called they call the rookie for it, which <laughs> makes him look a little worse. But that might be a situation where you know, Evan Let's Brown see, might have I to wanna, apologize. Yeah. <laughs> and the officials are heat. going down the line going, all right, which one is the rookie? I'm going to yeah. call it on the rookie. Uh, 50, I, that's so funny because that used to happen to us, you know, I don't know, once every couple games where the center was a little bit late. And you're pointing as, you know, you could hear the referees talking at 70. And I'm like, oh, no, don't you dare call that. I'm like, no, that was the center. He didn't snap. Don't you dare call my number. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> that was not me. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the center always says, I, you know what? Hey, you guys got to go on my step. I'm never offside. Yeah, it's not often you yeah. point fingers at your own teammates. But it's like, dude, do not call my do not call my number over that speaker yes. system right now. Do, uh-huh. Don't do it. Let's get it. Who do you think? So just to transition a little bit, I know we talked about Arizona being the um, undefeated, un- team. only undefeated team left. I mean, if you could pick one team from each conference right now through four games as being a surprise team, who would you go with starting in the let's start in the NFC? Would it be Arizona for you? Um, I think Arizona jumps out at you because they're four and zero, and it's you look at Kyler Murray, and I don't necessarily see Kyler Murray as a quarterback that's going to go out there and win you games, right? But you look at the receivers that he has to throw to, yeah. you look at the defense and the way that they've played, you can see that. I think it's more surprising because it's in that division with the Rams, the Seahawks, and the 49ers. What it they is did a, last week to the Rams was pretty damn impressive. It's a bitch of a division, and you know everybody has pretty much already crowned the, the Rams as Super Bowl champs. Right. And what they were able to do, and that's why I think football is unique because – there's a lot of pride, and when you play a team in like that in that division in Arizona, and you know that the the Rams are the favorite, they're the favorite to, to to make it to the Super Bowl, they're the favorite to win the division, they're the favorite to do so much. Then you take it upon yourselves to say, you know, try and set the record straight. So you got Kyler Murray, and he's throwing it to DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green. He's got Rondale Moore as another weapon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. The offensive weapons, yeah, the firepower that they that have. the team has, and yeah. then defensively, um, we know what Chandler Jones did earlier in the season. What was right. it? Four sacks, yeah, in one game? four sacks. We I mean, won against Tennessee, and and you know he's he's had days like that before where he's gone off, not necessarily for four sacks, but the big addition that that he's had is the attention that JJ Watt draws on the right. other side, and it's not vintage JJ Watt, but still, he's, you're gonna command. Most, a, it's of a this, most of the center slide when he's lined up at three tech. I mean, it's just a, it's just, first of all, it's just smart football. Yeah. You know, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he's definitely benefited from. I think the biggest surprise JJ. for me is quite honestly, and I hate to say this, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and Deck Prescott coming back off of the injury, not playing at all in the preseason because of the, the lat strain that he had. They lost a tough one in in the opener to Tampa Bay, and then they beat the Chargers on the road. Eagles, Panthers, uh, you know, not great wins, right? But they're still three and one, and the way that they're doing it, um, and the way that Dak Prescott is playing, to me, that because they're still having injuries up front on the offensive line, yeah. they, they have not played with a full complement of their offensive line so far yet. They really haven't slowed down, and they're not going to be tested this week because they're going to play the Giants. They will be tested a little bit after that. They get a chance to play. the. They're on the road for two games against the Patriots and the Vikings, um, and, and I think they'll get a little bit more of a test uh, in those. But the NFC, who's who's your surprise team? I Honestly, I, I and I know 
you know, I played for this team for a long time, but uh, Green Bay, especially after what happened week one. Okay, let's start back in the offseason. All the yeah. noise, all the negativity surrounding that team, uh, surrounding Aaron Rodgers, all the rumors. Um, I don't think a lot of people, especially after week one, I mean, it got bad. Oh, he's not interested. Is he blowing it on purpose? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? With all the with all the outside noise, plus you're down. You, you know, you're all pro. One of your best best left tackles in the game, Bakhtiari, mm-hmm. for six games. You come out and respond after that New Orleans loss with really uh, some really good wins. I mean, obviously, I know Detroit in there. Okay, we're not going to call that an impressive win, but nope. um, you go to San Francisco, a place they haven't won at in a long time, mm-hmm. and that last drive of that game against San Fran when Aaron was making those throws to Devontae to get him in that field goal range, uh, that was impressive, and I think – that I think they're my surprise team just based off of nobody knew what to expect from them after all the turmoil going yeah. on mm-hmm. in the offseason. And that usually when a team is surrounded by that much drama, it affects you. Come it affects the, the chemistry. Season. There's just a, a different feeling, a different buzz. It affects you, and you, you start hearing some stories, and guys can – uh, it's very easy to kind of get drawn into that. So what they've done through four games, sitting there at three and one, um, it's really, especially with the way they responded after that Saints blowout, I think they've probably been my uh, surprise in the NFC. The AFC is interesting because you got the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals, who we just talked about as the possible first, first victory for the Lions, yet right now they're three and one. Uh, and I know there's a three-way tie in the AFC North, but Cincinnati Bengals are still three and one. Yeah, um, I think they're a surprise, but I'm going to go a different route. And it's to me, it's the whole division of the AFC West. The Kansas yeah. City Chiefs being in last place in their division. Granted, they're only at 500 with two and two, but the LA Chargers and they were my dark horse pick to make it to the to the Super Bowl this year. But the way that Justin Herbert is playing. Four games into his second season, I think is it shows you the that he I think the decision to come back as a senior, while it may have affected his draft stock just a little bit because he was taken after Burrow, he was right. taken after two uh, and, and and all of those things. But I just think that his ability to lead that team, his ability to go out there and and make plays and. I just when he throws the ball, it just looks different than when other quarterbacks throw the ball. He's got a, a, a I think he throws a really good ball, but his accuracy, yeah, and his is, arm is, strength too. Yeah, I mean, he I he mean, makes fifty he yard throws it. just flat footed. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's in. I kind of put him in. He he's a he's an easy guy to cheer for. You know, yeah. I still know he's a young guy. Um, but sometimes you get these quarterbacks now and it's all about me and I'm the star yeah. player and <laughs> look kid. at me. I mean, he's a quiet guy. He goes about his business the right way. Uh, he's been super impressive. And I think that his demeanor in, fr- in, you know, in front of the microphone is why some people think, well, maybe he's not that good of a quarterback because they don't know what, what type of relationship he could have with his teammates. You hear from his teammates and they love it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely yeah. love him. And if they could stay healthy with obviously Bosa on the outside and, um, you know, Derwin James uh, deep on the defense, they've got a chance. Now, last night, I know that um, I'm sure Mike Williams is not upset, 
but he didn't see the ball very much. I think he had four targets, uh, one reception, and they kept talking about it on the broadcast. you got to get Mike Williams the ball. Um, they were able to get a good win uh, without even using Mike Williams. Well, yeah, and a dominating win, <laughs> yes. getting out to a 21. And, I, you know, I thought the weekly chatter from Derek Carr last week about how, oh, we go to L.A., it's like a home game for us. I thought that was just kind of some, uh, yeah, but <laughs> you did, know, did you hear it? It sounded like bit. it was a home game. He was game. right. I mean, yeah. he was right with the, with the crowd noise that the Chargers were facing. Uh, you know, when their offense had the ball, was like, oh, all right, Derek Carr was telling the truth. I thought maybe there was a little bit just, just trolling a little bit. But that was an impressive win, man. And you're absolutely right. It starts with Justin Herbert. And yesterday was probably the first time they got the run game going a little bit with Austin Eckler. I mean, he's been a guy that's, yeah. you know, he's solid. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, a top, considered a top five guy. But uh, you combine that with the fact that, you know, he's throwing the ball to – like you said, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, who's still one of the best, and Jared Cook, who's mm-hmm. uh, consistently been a really nice threat over the middle at tight end. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, I'm kind of with you on on the Chargers being the surprise team out of the AFC so far, especially with what they've been able to do in their division. Mm-hmm. Going to Kansas City, knocking them off. That was uh, a big win. Huge win. And obviously what they did last night against Oakland, uh, I mean, there's some teams that are three and one right now that you look at. You're like, okay, wait till the schedule kind of gets at them a little bit. They face the, they face some dogs now, and they've come out on top. I mean, they're they're definitely a, an impressive team. So I'm gonna read you a quote, and tell me how many times throughout your career you've heard this. This this actually happened last night in the game. It was Joey Bosa, uh, and he said, "I didn't even know they called the effing penalty on me because I was fuming." And he got a a, a penalty <laughs> for, uh, yelling, for, at for yelling at the official. Uh, and this is where I want to know of how many times you've heard this from a defensive uh, lineman, not just a defensive end. He said, "But I mean, refs are blind. Simple. I'm sorry, but you're <laughs> blind. Like, open your eyes and do your job. It's so bad. It's." unbelievable defensive line every play bitch and moan <laughs> more than any other pe- oh, person gosh. i know i know you touched it's, me yeah. how dare you first of all you have every single advantage possible you get you get to go against a lesser athlete who has to back up to block whoa you. For the most part, lesser athletes. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, that I mean, I don't hurts. think we're running. I don't think we're running four fives, John. Just to be honest, I with can you, run but. faster backwards <laughs> than he can. I'll tell you that. Um, yeah, every every damn play. I yeah. mean, you and you get into you know even throughout the game. I mean, you know, you play guys, and every single play, they're staring at the ref with the hands in the yeah. air. Yeah, uh-huh. he's holding. It's me. like okay. First of all, yes, there is holding on pretty much every single play, but you, you have to learn how to be good at it, right? Yeah, obviously, right. if you're if you're it's on not a guy's, illegal unless you get caught. It's not illegal. It, yeah, and if you're on a guy's chest pad and your hands are inside, you, you know, I used to grab their shoulder pads as hard as I freaking could. That's what they're there for. Yeah, that's what they're there for. Now they make these jerseys so damn tight that it's kind of hard to, but, yeah. you know, you lock in on those shoulder pads, and it's done, and that's not holding. Mm-hmm. Guys will start flailing and flipping their arms up, and what what the hell, you know, and it's yeah. like, dude, quit bitching, man. Like, come on. You already got the advantage. Yeah. You guys are allowed to come T-bone me in the side of the head on a stunt, <laughs> you know, when, yes. when you're two gaps away from me. I'm not even looking at you. Like, we got to do what we got to do, man. And, and you know, the best offensive linemen are the ones who know how to use their hands the right way, and they're the ones who know how to release at the exact perfect the time. Right time. You see a guy, you know, you read the body language and you anticipate, okay, the ball's kind of going here. 
uh, I got to let go, you know, because as soon as I grab, get that extra tug, that's all the referee sees. But, yeah, I mean, the, the bitching and the moaning is just I, – I don't know. It's probably up there with DBs. Yes. I mean, defensive backs will yeah. clearly – just flat out tackle a receiver before the ball gets there mm-hmm. and then be completely flabbergasted when they see a call. Oh yeah. How dare it's you like I, that is <laughs> you free, yeah. you tackled the guy. <laughs> yeah. There was one against uh in the Chicago uh Lions game. Hawkinson ran a slant, the the linebacker started coming from the inside and like just basically tackled him before the ball got there and the whole defense has got their arm in the air. Yeah. It's like, you, <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Defensive guys are all a bunch of babies. Um, and talking about 100%. bitching and moaning, uh, Vic Fangio of Denver. Yeah. Uh, um, so to, just to let everybody know, they played the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has a record going for the most consecutive or they, they're in pursuit of right. a record About of most consecutive games with 100 yards rushing or more. What was it, 43? I want it was to say. 40, yeah, 43. I think they tied it with 44. Yeah. Um, and they tied it with the Pittsburgh Steelers of the mid 70s. Right. When they, when running, the game was different, right? That's when they ran the ball first, and then every once in a while they'd look to uh, the forward pass. Yeah, it was like a, an army offense. Yes. <laughs> run, 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 yes. run, run. Oh, play action. <laughs> uh-huh. And now we even see teams that are, you know, well, I think Tampa Bay last year, there was one game where they only ran the ball five times. Um, we've had, you know, different offenses this year where they have actually have negative, you know, rushing yards. But they were, Denver was down 16. Right. They're in the final minute of the game, and they're throwing up Hail Marys to try and get back in the game. There's a ball that's picked off, as yeah. and, and you know Baltimore gets the ball with three seconds left, and they have 97 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking a knee, which you and I have been a part of that, you know, on one side or the other, uh, you know, every single game, you eventually, a victory formation is one of the greatest plays in football. You think that they're going to line up in victory formation. They don't. They line up. They run a play, and Lamar Jackson runs around the the edge, picks up five yards. They end up with 103 yards, and then Vic Fangio is complaining. Great. Yeah, and and bitching and moaning about, oh, well, we knew they were going to do it, but, you know, it's just how they operate over there. (laughs) Is it not their job to stop them? Like, if if you're on that defense, wouldn't you love – the opportunity to shut down that record, whether you think it's a good record or not. Yeah, and I don't know if the Broncos defenders knew at the time how many yards they had let up. Probably not. But, I mean, don't you have to, like, roll out, like, basically a field goal block defense at that point? Yeah. I, just I, like a goal line, just like I'd F put 11 you, men on the line of scrimmage, yeah. Like, F you, we got all 11 guys across the board, uh-huh. and yeah. you're not running the ball <laughs> yeah. on us. And if you want to, we're going to put a hurt on you. And first of all, weren't you just trying to score with, like, eight seconds left down 16? I thought Harbaugh's quote was uh, pretty pretty awesome. You know, they were trying to get a touchdown. I, 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 I guess I'm not aware of any 16-point touchdowns, but they're still trying to, you know, they're still playing late <laughs> yeah. in the game. What are uh-huh. we supposed to do? Yeah. Just And I thought it, it, it's, <laughs> I think it's a bit corny. 
when you think about it. I mean, probably the players of Baltimore take pride in and uh, pride in that record. Well, but it's one record for really us as an offensive line. Yeah, offensive linemen. Hell yeah, like yeah, let's go get this thing. We're not. Yeah, we got a chance. Let's do it. And then they get a chance to break the record. They tied the record. Now they get a chance to break it this coming week. Yeah, I mean, it's and, and I thought I thought Fangio and the video of him kind of st- stomping around on the sideline like a little baby. I mean, mm-hmm. I thought it was. Just, it was just like it's it's it almost seems so childish. Oh great, they picked up five yards and then oh they they put their players at risk and oh yeah, we just yeah. played seventy plays the last one. Yeah, a little yeah, sleep that's outside. The one that's the one on. that yeah. yeah. And it, I, I thought the whole thing was just kind of corny, kind of childish. And listen, if you don't like it, stop them. And we've both been a part of games where you're probably looking at the other team like. Why the hell are they still doing this, man? What the hell? Come on. Why are they throwing the ball up 28 points on us? You know? You don't like it? Stop it. That's my belief. Yeah. Oh, it's it's interesting. Um, and we'll get a chance to talk about the Minnesota game next week as the Lions travel to Minneapolis uh, to take on the Vikings. But, uh, hey, TJ, uh, really appreciate it. It's been a, a, another great episode. Yes, sir. Um, and, if again, I'm going to remind everybody, make sure you subscribe so that this is in your inbox when you wake up in the morning, whenever we get a chance to post it. Uh, you don't want to miss an episode of Necessary Roughness. You've been listening to Necessary Roughness with TJ Lang and John Jansen.